we were really given carte blanche. It was extraordinary. We were given... Wow. What, Talk more about this. This sounds Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. I, I, I'm not speaking out of turn. We were given carte blanche. We were... Uh, I mean, obviously, we were very accountable uh, for the numbers. <laughs> but yeah. compared to now, particularly now, uh, as opposed to 18 months ago, it really felt like money was no object. We we did some really big projects at the time, which spent, which even now would feel like a lot of capex. It was literally like what you know. We would go and see a pub, and we'd say, "Okay, we think this is a great opportunity," and we would have to present a mood board, and we were literally told, "Like, go and do it." And, it, and this is the, the heady days of being able to recruit amazing chefs, and which you know, which we were lucky enough to do. And really, you know, found really, really young, talented people rather than name chefs. They were never named chefs. Um, who were all keen and really up for the journey and up for the ride, and that's exactly how it felt. And we would literally kind of take a pub and say, right, what are we going to call it? How's it going to look? What's the menu content going to be? What are the team wow. going to wear? Literally from the start? Yeah, yeah, literally from the start, yeah. But it was really, really good fun. I absolutely loved every minute of it, and I didn't realise quite how lucky I was because I had, I was effectively playing, not playing, but using, playing with someone else's money and didn't yeah. have the real accountability of having to worry about payroll and worry about VAT and worry about actually running your own business, which is a whole different kettle of fish. Today, I have the real pleasure of speaking with Peter Myers, who runs Frontier Pubs. Um, Peter, as well as being a, a really fabulous, uh, humble guy, is talking with me today about sort of going back from his 15-year-old self all the way up to the current day with all the uh, concepts he's been involved in from um, working in the music industry through to Café Rouge, engagements with Punch, working with Enterprise, working with Stonegate um, and building brands along the way. What's great about the conversation today with Peter is that um, he loves to chat about the stuff that he's not so good at um, and almost feels more comfortable in that environment than the stuff that he is good at. So uh, I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, without further ado, We'll uh, get into our conversation with Peter. Quite like doing that, Peter. <laughs> uh, uh, not doing really any uh, major official starts, um, but uh, I've got to be careful anyway because the uh, the weather keeps interrupting us. Um, I don't know if you have you had the thunderstorms. Uh, we haven't had thunder, but we've had the rain that you would associate with it. Yeah. Yeah, I was literally about six minutes. Noodle, my German Shepherd, even got up <laughs> off the floor. So, so, <laughs> which meant that the thunder must have been really bad. And um, like you say, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, and thanks ever so much for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. So I guess the, the the key to this is to understand what I'm interested in knowing is a little bit about the background to Peter, where you've come from, where it all started, what I guess things that you've achieved, things that you feel that you might have accomplished along the way, um, and how you perceive your success, because I think people don't see it the same, do they? But if we can just start, maybe just tell us a little bit about your background, mate. Uh, in hospitality? Or, you know, or go go as far back as you like. I think we, we, we learn more about people from when they're kids, don't we? Uh, yeah, I think we'll leave that, because uh, it's actually just quite dull. <laughs> um well, in terms of hospitality, I went into hospitality partly uh, because, uh, well, two reasons. One one is whilst I was kind of doing school holiday jobs, I got a job working for my uncle, who was a restaurateur back, in the, uh, back then. And he had a couple of very glamorous London restaurants before London really had kind of American-style glamorous restaurants. And I was 15, uh, and I managed to get a job as a bellboy uh, in an undersized suit. Uh, working Saturday night in the good old, <laughs> day, in the good old days of um, being able to uh, kind of greet people at the door, seat them occasionally if I was allowed, and more importantly, take cigarettes to their table. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Open packed and splayed out to look classy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that looks classy. Yeah, it looked classy at the time. <laughs> I thought it was really classy. And I I really loved it. Uh, I got paid handsomely at the time. I was like cash rich for a 15 year old. Yeah. You uh, get big tips. Yeah, I did all right. I did all right. Yeah. 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 And I was, who was I the was... most famous person you gave six to? <laughs> I, I don't remember them being famous. They probably were. I, I kind of didn't really register whether they were famous or not. 
but I love being, I love the kind of entertainment side of it. it that was all really exciting. And obviously it's quite glamorous because I was 15 and most of the people that worked there were like 22, 23. Yeah. Uh, and then I did another job as a soda boy, a different restaurant, slightly older, making ridiculously big ice creams, which I loved less because <laughs> I was covered in whipped cream most of the time, but still kind of loved the whole. We don't want to go there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that was at work, obviously. Uh, so that was kind of fun, uh, and it gave me the buzz for it. And then the reality is I I did another job after university, and I was just really rubbish at it. I did it for four years. I really didn't do it well at all and decided that I should go and do the other thing I loved, which was hospitality. And what was what was the original one? Uh, I worked as an A&R man for CBS Records before it became... What, sorry? An A&R man. An A&R man? Yeah, an A&R man. So A&R stands for Artists and Repertoire, which is what okay. they used to call... Uh, it came from the 50s, I think. That's what they used to call the uh, the people that put together writers, as in uh, songwriters yeah. and musicians. So back in, if you sort of really stretch your mind back or your musical history, <laughs> then you didn't really have artists who were writers. You And so you had A&R men who were from record companies who would find a great writer, Liebman Stoller, um, put them together with a great artist, Elvis, good example, uh, and marry the two. And then obviously that changed in time and A&R men were a thing. They still are. They're called talent scouts usually, actually, is what you do. Right, okay. You know, I was really and you didn't enjoy about. that? No, I didn't actually. I found it quite solitary, not really part of a team. Right. Full of full of uh, <laughs> full of egomaniacs, uh, but some really some really nice people too. Uh, mm. And I just kind of realised I was crap at it. I saw every oh, great really? band and didn't sign any of them. What What had you done at uni then? Art history. So what was the What was the leap from art history to an A and R man? Something else I liked. <laughs> <laughs> No, no logical. Is it, is it the classic bloke in their tw- early 20s not having a clue what they want to do. Well, having a clue what I wanted to do, but not necessarily following a logical route. Right, okay. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably cast, um, casting me onto you there because I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> no, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I, know, I kind of knew what I liked. Yeah, uh, yeah fair enough. So that's why I went into hospitality. That, so you made the switch. question. You made the switch after four years of A&R, man. Exactly. So where, where are we now? Uh, so then I went, basically I went to see Karen Jones, who many people in hospitality will know. Uh, and I went to see her because she was running the inception of Café Rouge at the time. I think they had nine, ten when I went to see her, uh, which she founded with my uncle, Roger. And I went to see her, uh, not him and said, I'd really love a job. And would you train me to be a manager? And she said, only if you give me at least a year. And she said, what what bit of hospitality do you like? And I, she knew that I'd worked uh, in the past in hospitality. And But at the time I was, I was absolutely in love with the Eagle in Farringdon, which was the first London gastro pub. I said, I'm in love with the Eagle in Farringdon. Um, and I just said, oh, I just want, I want to run a pub like that. That's what I want. And she said, yeah, you have to do a minimum of a year once you've been trained to be a manager. Yeah, so she was looking to get commitment from you. Yeah. That it wasn't just one-sided. It, exactly that. And to be fair, I think I've I've paid her back to a point in space because I'm still working with and for Karen <laughs> uh, many, 25 years later. Wow, well, great experience. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> I can imagine there's, a, there's some good stories in there, but um, yeah, I appreciate that. So... I guess from from Cafe Rouge to uh, Food and Fuel and then on to Frontier Pubs, before we sort of get to the the, the more entrepreneurial side of it, where, where did it start? To, where did you start to feel like that? So at what sort of age? Entrepreneurial. You know, in terms of like, so you're at Cafe Rouge and you're training to be a manager. And when did you first reckon that you'd end up running a concept of your own? I think probably in reality, when I went to post Cafe Rouge, which was not, uh, basically 99, 2000, and I went and followed quite literally uh, Roger and Karen 
when they acquired what was Punch Tavern slash Scottish Newcastle became Spirit Group and yeah. was invited to go there with my other business partner, uh, who I've also worked with for as many years as that, uh, Joe Cumming. And we, we we were invited. I, I I was an employee and reported into Joe at the time to do a, a, a London-based bar and gastro pub division uh, out of what was the Allied Demec, not as well, yeah, Scottish and Newcastle estate. And yeah. they had they had an extraordinary estate in London, which was really um, untapped. I mean, beautiful, beautiful pubs, which should have been taking 25, 30 kind of week and were taking five and had no wow. food ring and, and everything associated with pubs back then. Uh, and it, and I, that really gave me the buzz for for doing one-offs and really gave me the buzz for thinking that I would love to do something independent of a big co. Yeah. And what was it, do you think? You know, as you sort of grow up in your career, you, you kind of sort of shuffle into the things that you find that you're good at. And and it's a dead hard question for me to ask you, but what kind of things did you find that, you know, when you sort naturally gravitated towards that you really, really enjoyed doing in, you know, going back as far as Cafe Rouge, what was it, or even back when you're working behind the bar, what, what was the, you know, what are the things that you felt that you were really, really good at? Um, not operations. <laughs> Bluntly, uh, I, I, I am. Hi. <laughs> I just there are some there are some people who are really naturally brilliant as well as learn like we all learn <clears throat> at operations. And I've been really lucky in that I've I've been surrounded by or more recently surrounded myself uh, with people who are fantastic at operations. Yeah, and it, and it just takes a very different skill set. It's really detailed. It's often unglamorous unrewarding uh and putting things you know putting processes into place and making them stick is really hard which every everyone in hospitality will have experienced and it's not what I am naturally good at and it's less attractive to me personally than the basically the more shiny side of the business which is you know concept creation and and design and build and thinking of hopefully, hopefully thinking of ideas that are hopefully good yeah i mean it's i suppose it is marketing but it's even before it gets to the marketing it's it's the you know this is you know this is how it could look and this is how it could feel and this is what the content of the envelope could be and that sort of side of it and then as i said finding really amazing people who i've been lucky enough to work with who are really great at delivering an offer and and was it something that they brought to you or you brought to them as a concept when you went to the spirit side of things? I know that was definitely, we were really given carte blanche. It was extraordinary. We were given. Wow. Talk more about this. this Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. I'm not speaking out of turn. We were given carte blanche. We were, uh, I mean, obviously we were very accountable uh, for the numbers, (laughs) but compared to now, particularly now, uh, as opposed to 18 months ago, it really felt like money was no object. We we did some really big projects at the time, which spent which even now would feel like a lot of capex, um, although it was a long time ago. <clears throat> and I so said we were very accountable in terms of numbers, but it was literally like what you know we would go and see a pub and we'd say okay we think this is a great opportunity, and we would have to present a mood board, um, yeah, which was only <laughs> often not a lot bigger than a bit of A3, often had a couple more colours than white, but not many. And we were literally told, like, go and do it. And, it, and this is the, the heady days of being able to recruit amazing chefs, uh, which, you know, which we were lucky enough to do. And, really, you know, found really, really young, talented people rather than named chefs. They were never named chefs um, who were all keen and really up for the journey and up for the ride. And that's exactly how it felt. And we would literally kind of take a pub and say, well, what are we going to call it? How's it going to look? What's the menu content going to be? What are the team wow. going to wear? Literally from the start. Yeah, yeah, literally from the start. Yeah, and we had we had some real fun. It was really good fun, um, and really good fun in a very focused and professional way. It was not hedonistic. It was not. It was not. <laughs> it was not those kind of hospitality days. Um, <laughs> but, but it was really really good fun. I absolutely loved every minute of it, and I didn't realize quite how lucky I was because I had 
I was effectively playing, not playing, but using playing with someone else's money and didn't yeah. have the real accountability of having to worry about payroll and worry about VAT and worry about actually running your own business, which is a whole different kettle of fish. And was that because of the trust that the group of people that had gone with you had, had got? And it was almost like, a well, it's a no-brainer to get this team involved because everything that they touch turns to gold. Because um, you have some pretty good people that have been alongside you. Uh, I wouldn't say everything we did turned to gold. because <laughs> well, We're going to come to that. We've definitely erased some history there. <laughs> Uh, at that point, we hadn't we hadn't really done anything that had turned to go. We, you know, I had worked very much as an employee for Cafe Rouge and worked my way up at Cafe Rouge. And at the point that that they exited and sold it to Whitbread, yeah, it was Whitbread. We hadn't done anything individual. But Karen, to her, bless her, trusted us, uh, and that's Joe and I, and trusted us to work in London because she obviously knew that we understood the market because that's where we're from, um, and very much wanted to keep us. Has what's the right way of phrasing it, separated from the rest of the business, which was based up in Burton, not not from a people perspective or a team atmosphere perspective, but purely because she wanted us to be allowed to be an incubator and do things that were outside of the processes and also formats and templates that you need when you're running a big business, which is obviously very different to what we were doing. So we uh, we and there's lots of we in this, by the way. I really, I really can't stress that enough. We yeah. and, and uh, speaks volumes about you, though, mate. Uh, there was, a, yeah, a great operational team, and also a guy called Ed Standring, who's still in hospitality, who ran Bar and Bar. And we ended up doing between us all by the end of it all before it was sold. I think we had 55 sites. Many of them were Bar Room Bar, which was uh, not. Uh, my concept by any means, but one I ended up running, uh, which was very similar to Frontier, pizza, big screen sport, and before craft beer, beer, and a 20-odd selection of bars and pubs. Wow. So in terms of time period and number of concepts created and, and built, how long, how many, and where were the, where were the successes and the big successes and where were the big failures? Loads uh, of questions for me there, mate. Uh, let's start with successes because they're easier to remember. So we won Gastro Pub of the Year two years in a row with two different Brilliant. pubs, obviously, which were which uh, were for Time Out, which was like oh, then fabulous. That was like Oscars, Nirvana. Isn't it? Yeah, that was like Nirvana then. I mean, that was like, uh, and we had one quote from the Guardian, which I think we put in the biggest letters I've ever seen in the biggest font I've ever seen, when the Guardian described Lots Road as uh, which was our first pub. Gastro Pub for Spirit as a beacon of brilliance. And wow. I, I will carry that to my grave because <laughs> I um so that was that was like, yeah, the, the, it was, you know, it's like when you're kind of you when you're on a, a bit of a roll and it just seems like everything's going right and there's been yeah, yeah. doesn't, and it just seemed it just seemed to everything we did seem to not turn to gold by any means, but more often than not, definitely worked and delivered on its returns that it was supposed to deliver. And when was the first one that didn't? Oh, I can't like The proper car crash. There must be a car <laughs> crash in there somewhere. There have definitely been some car crashes. There was a uh, couple of car crashes within... I mean, there's definitely a couple that really struggled that we did within what was then DevCo, which was this incubator thing. But it was a long time ago, so I tried to... <laughs> So I tried to forget. I genuinely have so long ago. Blocked it out of my brain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember Karen saying to me very early. You know, when you have a number of restaurants, you you always have ones that exceed your expectations, and you always have ones that disappoint. And it's obviously the whole group and team thing matters hugely, which I, I you know I've never let go of. Which was probably her way of picking me up off the floor after disappointment. Uh, but we definitely had a. I, I won't call them car crashes. It's le- less good concepts within food and fuel, which we, you know, bluntly opened. They did not work. We gave it our best shot, and uh, sadly, we closed them. Right. Yeah. I'm just thinking about whilst you're saying that, you know, you mentioned the we thing, and you also, I think you've mentioned you've mentioned Joe and you've mentioned uh, Karen a couple of times, and Roger, obviously, yeah. and. Uh, in terms of what they've given to you, because it sounds it sounds like they've been mentors 
along the way and also been sort of comrades and supporters to help you. And I reckon, you know, I can only speak for myself, mate, but that feels like it's massive um, to have people around you who are supporting you and being there for you when things aren't great. Yeah. yeah. Um, as you know, it's, it's great. They don't, they almost don't need to be there as much when, when the applause are coming from everybody else, but it's when, and things aren't so good, but it'd be just good to hear um, a little bit, you know, just, just to touch on those relationships and, and, and how they've sort of affected you and, and impressed upon you, I guess, over time. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked, uh, particularly with Joe, I think, I mean, I've literally spent more time with Joe than my wife over the years. Um, and I've been married for 20. I mean, I spent a huge amount of time with her and, you know, very day to day, uh, Joe has always been hugely supportive. Joe is a really good people person uh, and a really good operator, um, but also has creative talent. <laughs> so, yeah. so we work together incredibly well. She's been really supportive. Uh, I have, I have, am I allowed to swear? I've really fucked up a couple of times. <laughs> um, if I find out you're not allowed to, somebody will blank it out. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that's been completely honest. And Joe has always been there to get me, you know, get me through the situation and then uh, make sure, as has Karen, that I've been made acutely aware of my mistakes and how I could have managed situations better. That being said, and you know, those occasions have happened for sure. But that being said, day to day, it's never it doesn't feel like that. Luckily, um, and yeah, I mean, they're both really they're super smart and very experienced, uh, and we are really good friends. I mean, we are really, really good friends. Uh, you know, matters. Yeah, yeah, it matters hugely. I mean, you know, they're they yeah, we've spent a lot of time together over many, many years, and. It's definitely, you know, that the kind of one team thing, which is so big uh, for Frontier as it has been for Food and Fuel, but has really come from every business I've ever worked in with Karen and Joe. You know, we are really accountable as a team and the values that we have laid out in front of us, which we've agreed to and signed up to, uh, matter hugely and they resonate through the business. And I'm not big on the word values. I, I kind of prefer beliefs. Uh, but anyway, whatever they are, they they are the glue, the genuinely the glue that has stuck to get stuck us together. And particularly in the past, 18, particularly in the past eighteen months, when things have been really, you know, tough on, on, on many it's levels. Like a, it's like a DNA thing. Yeah. yeah. When times are tough, if if you don't have fundamentally the same beliefs as the the other people that you're working with, then that's the time that the cracks will show, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and we hear our team using them, which is exactly what we want. They they will call each other out, sometimes seriously, sometimes jokingly, but they will use the, the kind of values uh, or beliefs uh, and they'll call each other on it in a really good way. And do you have published values that, that you show and externally or, or internally to the team? They're internally to the team. I mean, I'm not going to repeat them now, <laughs> so don't ask me to. But you know, they're you know they're they're very similar to many other businesses' values. They're short and sharp and memorable, which is important. Uh, and and there's nothing in them that you wouldn't expect or see in other people's businesses. Um, yeah, is- you're right. I think the difference is whether you actually believe your values. I think yeah, yeah, there's lots sure. of people who lots of people chuck authentic and genuine and passionate. And all those sorts of things into a set of values, and I don't think it means anything unless the people in the business and running the business actually live it. Yeah, I think that's the different the difference, isn't it? Otherwise, you I think it's just words. Yeah, that's completely true. And we tend to avoid those kind of effusive, flowery words. We tend to go for things which are. Uh... I think they're all in my values. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. One team is one of our values. It's pretty simple. Accountability yeah. is another one of our values. And we know what yeah. it means. So we can kind of, it's really easy to talk about accountability. You know, it means I do what I, I, do what I said I do on time. <laughs> um, and, and the team, it's really simple for a team member because it's like, you know, we actually don't really have uniform. We have a vague code of dress conduct. And it's like, that's, that's what you're signing up to. And that's what you're accountable for. And if you say you're going to be there at nine, be there at nine. That's the deal. Um, yeah, that's right. And I- uh, yeah, that's that comes from you. So if you and the team at the top of the business aren't doing that, I hate calling it the top of the business, by the way, but if you and the team, the leadership team or whatever everybody wants to call it these days, yeah. 
if you're not living that, then you can't expect other people to live it either. Totally true. And the team will call me on it as well. And they have. And it's it's done very politely, but they'll say that wasn't very one team or, you know, they'll... I, daughter, I, I went to a pub yesterday and they've asked me to fix their coffee machine four times. And four times I've sent an email to this particular supplier and said, please do this. And usually they would have, and I wouldn't have had to chase that. And I walked in yesterday and he said, I would get you a coffee, but the coffee machine's broken. And to me, that just said, that's that's my accountability. That's just rubbish. You know, it's not my... Is that, their way of saying, that, is that them saying you've not done this? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. rightly so, because it's my job to do it, you know. Oh, what... <laughs> I still get it from my daughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to be, I've got to be so careful. That's, she's my barometer, because if I if I say that I'm going to, if I say I'm going to do something and I don't do it, my daughter, I'll make damn sure that I'm accountable, because it's normally something I've promised to do for her. I don't know how old she is, but you've got many years to go. She's 13. She's <laughs> many, a, many. <laughs> she's getting, oh, she's fabulous. Um, <laughs> way ahead of me in most in most departments, mate. So in, I guess moving on from um, sort of the, the the punch and the individual concepts day. So you move you move to so we've got the food and fuel and we've got the the frontiers side of things. Tell me a little bit more about I think given you know with the time I, I'm really really intrigued to hear about frontiers more. Okay. About the front, um, so how how's that come about? Um, who's who's been involved and i guess um just uh, how what what gave you the impetus to get it going okay. and then i'm going to start asking you questions about what went wrong and um sure. and and what's next sure so it came about because uh when enterprise was enterprise not stonegate simon townsend who was running enterprise approached karen and we said thought. yeah absolutely I, I met him very briefly a couple of times really like simon yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and that she comes across very similarly to Karen in terms of in terms yeah, of yeah. Sparks, very in terms similar of style. <laughs> so yeah, very approachable. Uh, so he approached Karen, uh, met in Lots Road, in fact, when we still had food and fuel, and said that he was planning this sort of joint venture idea. Uh, he had approached one other entrepreneur operator, um, who in fact they still ended ended up working with and still do work with. Um, and would we be interested? And particularly said, would he? Would we be interested in doing a number of gastro pubs? Because he obviously liked food and fuel, which is very flattering. And we, Karen, was keen uh, and spoke to Joe and I, as, uh, and we said, love the idea, but don't like the idea of doing multiple gastro pubs because we know how difficult they are to run well and how many talented chefs you need. And even then, which was 2016, trying to find and recruit talented chefs, we were finding incredibly challenging. So that's how it came about. Is that the main challenge, or were there others as well? At the time, that was definitely the main challenge. I mean, obviously, there's the cost associated in your P&L and your labour versus other concepts, which means you just basically, to get returns, you have to drive your sales much higher. Um, Yeah. But actually, I was more worried about the prospect of... at the time, Simon spoke to Karen, he was talking about doing 20 to 30 sites. Now, this was very, very early on in, in the conversations. And we, I think, I think our jaws... Was this was 2016? Yeah, it was probably in 15 that the conversation started. Uh, and Joe and I were like, just, just no. <laughs> uh, love to work with a joint venture. Love the idea of working with Simon and his team, but no to the concept. And Karen being Karen said, well, what would we do? And that's when Joe and I went back and said, why don't we just do fantastic, hopefully community pubs, local pubs, and just put in great pizza, which we 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 kind of did operationally before with Bar and Bar, but it didn't come from that. Um, so we kind of knew operationally it would be okay. And we thought recruitment would be much easier, which it was in 2016, not in 2021, as we all know. So that's how it started. And they, like other people who worked, they literally gave us a blank piece of paper, apart from the financials and the, 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 the contractual relationship between the two parties, obviously. But they literally gave us uh, a blank sheet of paper. And so we will not, we don't, we're really happy to help and get involved. But in terms of what you do, it's down to you. Uh, and that, that has been the case. And, and as, as has been the case with Stonegate too, 
And does it still work now that does Joe steer the operations side and you steer the, the brand side? Uh, no. Or is, Joe, does it just get Joe, all intertwined? No, no, no. It, did, it definitely definitely got intertwined uh, for many years. But now Joe's taken a more sort of strategic role. And I am blessed with uh, a lady called Morag Fennec, who's I've worked with probably for, I can't remember how many years, but fif- probably 15. Uh, and she leads the operations. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Recruit from within then? Almost always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Find good people and keep them, mate. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. And she's, she's not, she's not good. She's great. <laughs> so what drives people in? What's in terms of a concept, what, what gets them in? So obviously great pizza is probably going to help. Yeah. And the pizza is very good. We're really proud of it. I think we, we, you know, we rate really well when it comes to things like Google, uh, it, it is really good pizza. We did a lot of work and a lot of research, a lot of time spent in other people's businesses, as you do, and Naples and Chicago, which was fun. Um, so, yeah, good pizzas, although that's not the mainstay of the business. We're much a drink-led business for sure. And what really gets people in, a, the biggest thing that gets people in is, is sport. Yeah, I mean, we're, I would never call ourselves a sports pub, weirdly, or a sports bar, for sure we're not. But big screen sport is massive i mean i think the three biggest days we've had were not surprisingly the england final um which my italian chefs have been ribbing me about ever since obviously uh the joshua from feed it back doing that to me sorry carlo from feed it back's italian he's been giving it all this (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i've had a lot of that i think i'm blocking mate (laughs) a very respectful way obviously the joshua fight which was, I can't remember how many years ago now, that feels like years ago because of the pandemic, and the Champions League final when Liverpool actually blew it. Um, you know, they are they were mega days. I mean, like mega days, but they they were also part of the final. They were days when you could stand up in a pub and have a drink. So I made, made a few quid out of the Liverpool win in the Champions League. Yeah, 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 we did all right. As a Liverpool fan, I feel like I have to mention that after you oh, just talked Yeah, yeah, you do have to mention that. Although I don't because I was there watching Tottenham being beaten and I'm a Tottenham fan, so... Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> I, was at the, I was at the liverpool Barca game when we beat them 4-0. And I'm good. <laughs> I I'm thought you'd be pleased about that. Yeah, I'm thrilled. <laughs> it was a bit uh, of a shit final, though, wasn't it? Let's go back to the point. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, big, big sport really helps. Uh, you know, the Lions at the moment, that's really good for business. And then outside of sport, it's really about, you know, being a local, it's it's truly about being a local pub. How do you do that? How do people know that you are, you know, of all the pubs they could go to in a local area, why you? What is it that's different? What is it about your culture or belief system that sort of spills out and makes people want to go there um so kind of we're firm believers and i'd like to think all of our team are that don't give away trade secrets by the way no no it's not a trade secret the clue is in the title which is hospitality uh you know we are endlessly focused (laughs) on being hospitable i mean absolutely you know, especially now when it comes to recruitment, but have always been for many, many years about being hospitable. And it's just the beginning, the middle and the end for us. There's no doubt about it. You know, everyone can pour to a point, a good pint. Anyone can get the best craft beer in the world. Anyone can find great food in a pub. It might not be pizza, but great food in a pub. And these are the things that, you know, everyone can do. The most difficult bit to do and the bit where you can win is by being hospitable because that's actually really hard. But if you get it right, really, really matters and counts for so much. So we're that's what what that's what we really work really hard to do. And we will call the team on it. And e- even though we're under huge pressure like everyone else when it comes to recruitment, you know, we just won't we won't have people in the business who don't want to be there and who aren't massively hospitable. And we kind of, we use, it actually came from Matthew Norman, who writes The Standard, uh, and he wrote a line saying, you know, you, when you go to a restaurant, you should leave happier than when you went in. And that's about the people experience. That's as well lovely, as, that. 
yeah and it was lovely and and we shamelessly use it um well why not yeah yeah absolutely because it's absolutely you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time yeah absolutely and so we kind of use those phrases with our team we also use the kind of phrase like you know if someone's coming to your home you don't just leave them at the door hanging even if you yeah. don't know them well you know if you know them really well you you're kissing and you're hugging if you if you've just met them they're coming into your home and you look after them and they walk into your kitchen before you and you offer them a drink and you smile and you want to make them happy. That's what hospitality is about for us. And and it's, it's definitely not rocket science. Uh, it's, it's not, key. but it's hard. I yeah. think you have to, it, I think you use the word endless. I think it's relentless. It And the, it sounds, you know, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but the key to it is the people. And every business that I've worked in, so I've, I, I love Karen Jones as well, by the way. Um, and she talks about people and she talks about them really fondly and affectionately. And I, I, all I see is that the businesses that you see in hospitality that are succeeding are, or, you know, doing the best that they can be. And certainly in certain current circumstances and most recent past, they're the ones where people, the, the employees are genuinely valued as team members and they genuinely feel part of what they're doing, but they have to bring the attitude to it. Yeah. Cause you have to find the right people. And I'm just wondering on that, where, where, where are these people coming from? So, you know, you touched on it before in 2021, it's, it's a hot topic. Yeah. Where's, where does the answer lie for you? I mean, is it a big problem for you at the minute or? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a problem. It's, it's probably more of an issue around chefs than it is because we had a really brilliant team of Italian chefs. Uh, so our pizza chefs are all kind of literally all by a few are Italian. Um, and the those guys, and they might, are mainly guys, but uh, did a really great job of recruiting for us uh, yeah. pre, pre-Brexit. <laughs> uh, okay. So you know, that made life a lot easier. You know, there was lots of friends of friends and that was perfect, you know, and people coming over from Italy were looking for jobs in London. And that was like a great way of recruiting. And that's just been blown out of the park. <laughs> so that's, yeah. so um, really for us now, a kind of big focus, not surprisingly, like everyone else is, is, is about, is, we put as much, in fact, we put more effort into retaining than we do to recruiting. Because you can, yeah. you can you can try yeah. and recruit, you can try and recruit all day, but it's, as we well know, it's probably just not going to happen. Uh, because you know, it used to be oh, we used to have five trial shifts and only uh, and then only maybe three of the five would turn up. And now you can have five trial shifts and you can phone them an hour before and they none of them are turning up. Yeah. And you won't actually have five; you only have one. And he or she or they won't turn up. And so, have you got a long term solution to it? Is it all going to be through? sort of retention and and try and help get recruitment from within? It's definitely look after our people, um, definitely. Uh, it's definitely, for the chefs, is definitely go down a different route in terms of recruiting people with the right attitude, probably young, doesn't really matter, but they just happen to be, we've taken on three now, and they're young and they're unskilled, but they want work. Um, and many, probably... Th- of the three of them, two of them will go to university, but not till September 22. And we said, we'll take you on and we'll train you and we'll train you to be a pizza chef. And if that takes, I think our training program initially is six weeks and we and we would expect them to be at that point able to run a really quiet shift, you know, open the dough, make a pizza to standard, run a really quiet shift, do the things that they would need to do to, to be a shift runner. So that's that's the kind of road we're going down. Um, I don't think there's any choice. <laughs> if there okay. is, I'd love, to, I'd love you to tell me. Well, yeah, I think I think people are still trying to get their heads around it, aren't they? Yeah. Like, you know, we, we anticipated that there'd be a, a challenge with Brexit and then to add yeah, yeah. a global pandemic where people just shift roles and go and find other careers whilst we're all struggling and short. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't care whose risk register you're looking at. It's, a, it's not on there with any with any uh, seriousness before that happens, is it? So you can't no, totally. pre-prepare for it. Yeah, but, and I met, uh, I met someone last night who used to work for us, actually, who left, sadly. Uh, 
and they said that they work for a restaurant operator with four restaurants in London they can only open two because they can't recruit. Just because of the staff. Yeah, they've, got, they've literally got no staff. Yeah. That's an, well, I'm, I'm hearing it every day from, from yeah, my yeah. customers. So, so we kind of... I know it's, you know, it's a massive challenge. Yeah, so yeah, I man. guess, you know, onto that is that what's next for Frontier and, and you know, these challenges aside... I guess do you are you is there is there a plan to expand further? When you yeah, first spoke to Simon, it was sort of twenty to thirty. I think you're ten now. <laughs> We're at ten now. So obviously Simon's not with Enterprise slash Stonegate, no. uh, but we've got a great working relationship with Stonegate, namely specifically uh, Daniel Wilkinson, who is the kind of uh, probably the most senior person on on the Stonegate side of the board our board um and we are very clear in our commitment to doing uh new sites together um and he is very intent on finding those sites within the estate for us so that that is the plan okay so so what is it like you have a formula of well you know this might be the kind of pub that we could really help with and and then he'll go away and have a look and through the portfolio and see where there could be a good strong fit Yes, that's pretty much it. I mean, like these, all the kind of because I've ever worked for, and it's the same for Stonegate, you know, the way they uh, carve is quite harsh, isn't it? But carve up the estate. <laughs> um, a few pubs to look at, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, just one or two. It's pretty complex. And obviously many, it's mainly coming from lease and tenanted. Not surprisingly, it's not really going to come from a managed uh, house of Stonegate's. So, yeah, that's the plan, and we're, we're both kind of committed to it, which is exciting. I don't think anything will happen this side of Christmas, which is which is okay. Um, and I think more than ever, we need a really long run of debt. So if we know we're going to open a pub in May, we <laughs> we probably want to know in November and start recruiting because it's going to take that long to recruit a whole... And that's now become the longest lead time, I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. it's bonkers, isn't it? When you think about the, I still think about the Thatcher days when there were three million unemployed, and now and now we're having a conversation about not being able to find enough people and the right talent for an industry the size of hospitality. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Can't get um, head around it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, that's exciting for us, and we've got a couple of other ideas which we're working on. Um, which I definitely wouldn't share at this point, which is, you know, all, all part of Frontier, I would say. Uh, okay, so, so that's the same within of, the same mould? Or just yeah, new concepts within um, it? It's kind of more what to do with Frontier. Okay. So, you know, there's things that you can do. You know, I think every many people learnt and used the much overused and pivoted. <laughs> and we kind of found our ourselves being slightly frustrated during lockdown about what we could and couldn't do and yeah. spent time thinking strategically about what you possibly could do outside of your own bricks and mortar so nothing revolutionary um but some kind of interesting ideas on how we can make frontier progress or- organically as well as um by growing in terms of investment i would uh i'd love to uh continue to ask questions but i think it's just going to become intrusive and you'll just say no i would just say no <laughs> yeah that's all right i'm just i'd, I'd rather just not ask um <laughs> and in terms of, in terms of what's uh you, you know um it's a, it's a sort of an, an age-old question but you go back to the 15 year old lad two things one what would you advise the 15 year old lad that started serving the drinks and two, um, if you were that fifteen-year-old lad, knowing what you'd look like now, would you have done it? Um, Answer them in whatever order. Flipping advice would be: don't go into the music business. <laughs> Which that's going to cost you four years. <laughs> ironically, my fifteen-year-old son is in absolutely intent on going into the music business. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so that died. That died a death pretty quickly. Uh, we'll get him to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think probably the same as so many people would say, which is you know you've got to love it because you spend yeah. so much of your time doing it. Unless you just really super luck out, <laughs> and not many people super luck out. No, uh, 
you know, you've really got to love it because it's, you know, it could, it might just be a job for a period of time when you kind of walk in, do your job, leave at five, forget about it, which is absolutely fine. No issue with that for a period of time in your life. That's, that's a real thing. But when you get slightly older, obviously, and it, you know, and it could come sooner, but when you sort of start to get into your, definitely into your kind of late twenties, thirties, it it becomes much more meaningful and you've just mm. got to love it. And I really love hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm still, I still steal menus. I would still steal shows if they had them anymore. <laughs> you know, I still oh. get I, I, I won't I stole, say that I stole a glass of Kraken, <laughs> one of those little Kraken glasses from yeah, my local sure. My poor, lovely wife always lets me sit on the table where I can see what's going on in the restaurant so I can see what's going on in the restaurant <laughs> and has her face <laughs> back to the rest of it. <laughs> so Always working. Yeah. Well, always working, but not out of, not out of kind of, I mean, sometimes shamelessly stealing other people's ideas, but mostly just out of the love of the, the thrill of watching it. Because it is, yeah. it is really, it's, I, I remember Karen saying, again, Karen saying, you can just tell when service is going to shit within three seconds of walking into a restaurant. And it's just so true. Really? <laughs> and you can also tell it's when. Like walking in and getting hit with a, yeah, yeah. Um, you can like equally a strong tell, wind. I mean, your own restaurant as well, but you can equally tell when things are just flying. It must be horrible. If you when you walk into your own sweat and tears and have that feeling, that's horrible. Because yeah. it flies in the face of everything that you're you're trying to be. Yeah, that's totally true. And usually, the best thing to do is to start clearing tables. Okay, because <laughs> that's how you can tell. Right? You can tell by the stress of the team. You can feel the vibe of the team, and also the customers for sure. I mean, it's all about the customers' vibe. But usually the best thing you can do is not try and run the shift because there's no way I could run a shift better than our managers. But you know, if 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 you if they're chips down, just just polish glasses, yeah. clear tables. Okay. <laughs> just help. Get your hands dirty. Yeah. And they'll laugh Absolutely. at you, which is fine when you can't pour a pint. I don't mind that. Um, but generally just get in and help and be supportive. Yeah. And I I think that again is a culture thing. Because you you will find the certain people who would just walk in and take over, and and say right, I can do it better, which just undermines <laughs> everything that you're trying to achieve. Mostly, <laughs> those people can't with. do it better. Yeah, yeah. If you'd met anyone I'd ever worked with operationally, they'd laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Like, you'd probably one step up on the ladder from me trying to run, uh, trying to run a pub. But uh, so I reckon what you can do with the J class. Yeah, <laughs> I think I I would stick to the the pot clearing away. I reckon I could. I'd probably drop a couple, but I'd probably just about get through. And I guess uh, one more question for me. Yeah, go on. Um, favorite. I'm sure there's many. Favorite moment in hospitality. Anything that stands out for you? Uh, favorite moment in hospitality. I, I yeah, that's kind of difficult. I hadn't expected it. Um, in terms, of, well, I mean, you know that sort of feeling that where I'll try and give you an I could give you an example of when uh, I uh, so I've been working in hospitality. I'm still a, I'm still a newcomer to hospitality. I've only been working in hospitality for ten years, right? And and I I genuinely feel like I'm still a newbie because this because people live and breathe hospitality for their entire lives and I fell into it but I had a moment in sort of 2018 when I was at um an RMI event and I think Andrew Gallagher had just been speaking up on stage and uh Anne Elliott had sort of taken me under her wing and she was really trying to help me over the sort of the 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 18 months leading up to it and I came out of it um out of that event feeling like I'd finally been accepted right and that's still now my favourite moment because right. hospitality is so ace to feel like people have sort of adopted you. That was my sort of overriding moment. But I've still, I've not had all the amazing highs and terrible, but also amazing lows that you experience as an operator. So I'm just wondering if, it, you know, I don't know, it may not be that there is anything, but um, is is there any sort of moment or any sort of time that you've enjoyed the most uh, that's really sort of 
you've sort of you know you've really got your teeth into something and you're loving it yeah i've got to be totally honest i think i've been so maybe it's just because i've been doing it a long time (laughs) but there have been so many you know great moments you know whether it be you know seeing people that i work with who were kitchen porters who didn't speak a word of English and who came from Kosovo in Cafe Rouge now running their own businesses or, Brilliant. you know, being area managers for branded chains, you know, that, that was like, I was blown away by them when I first met them. I was like, Oh my God, you've just had so much good luck and good fortune in your life. And these poor, and they were actually again, many guys, but some women as well. So, and those guys always really, really blew me away. So there's the kind those kind of things were really made an impression on me. Definitely some of the highs, the obvious highs, like the kind of award-winning stuff was really nice. Selling a business is really nice. Uh, if you get it at the right time and it's the right, it's the right thing for the business and the right thing for the team. And you really feel like you're not the right people to kind of take it on to the next stage. Um and yeah, lots, lots of them lots of them to be honest I, I love to hear what you're saying about you know when you see people develop there's nothing better is there no you definitely know not. works their arse off and and they get where they're trying to get to or and they really really accomplish something it means yeah. miles more than doing it yourself doesn't it yeah <laughs> i mean i love it when someone else does yeah, it yeah totally and these two guys particularly who i work with called gaza and leonard <laughs> cafe rouge i mean god i you know i was still trying to run a section of my own after like four months <laughs> and they would like do their eight tables and half of mine half the time so <laughs> i was like oh my god you are just so awesome <laughs> we're thinking um, that little look like that <laughs> yeah no they were, <laughs> they, were, they, were really nice they were always really nice about it um oh, bless them <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just didn't pat you on the head metaphorically <laughs> don't um, worry about it peter we'll sort it yeah 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 don't worry yeah they they definitely had my back before having your back was the thing yeah it's 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 a, it's a pleasure to chat your humility speaks volumes mate i think um I, I imagine that people working for you would see that in spades and i reckon that probably makes an enormous difference to how the team wants to perform for you uh, that's very kind I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think yeah, it's yeah, me uh, too. Thank you for your time. What, oh, mate, what you've achieved is amazing. Thank, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no I really problem. appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, Keep Peter. well. Good Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Tom. <laughs>